Welcome to Summoner's Rift. Welcome to Duo Q, the premier League of Legends podcast presented by 88.1 The Bird. How delectable. Oh, that's not nice. Oh, lost souls. Let's bounce. Welcome to the sixth installment of the Duo Q podcast. I am Van Van Roxbarryman, and with me here, as always, is Kyle Sentinel Ganya. How are we doing today, Kyle? We're doing great, and I'm super excited to jump into the discussion points we have lined up for today. Yeah, we have a really good show for you guys today. It's going to follow pretty much the same format as usual. We're going to talk about LCS, or in this case, MSI. We're going to talk about patch notes, delve a little bit into the PBE. We're going to talk about skins, a new Pulsefire set, and we're going to have a discussion about... Uh, I don't know how to word this. Maybe why or why not League is fun. We're going to talk a little bit about that competitiveness. I think everyone who's played this game has always asked himself that at one point or, or another. Yes. And yeah, so we're going to round it out with that. So uh, let's get to it. What do you say? Let's jump right into it. Typically, at this point in our show, we would talk about NALCS. Of course, that is concluded for Spring Split. So instead, we're going to talk about that thing that they do in the middle of the seasons where people get invited to it. Oh, it's the MSI, the Midseason Invitational. I'm super excited to see this year's, especially with the only NALCS team this year, Team Liquid, who had a huge comeback during the finals of the NALCS. So I can't wait to see if they actually can compete at a world stage right now. It's going to be interesting, and I think it's going to be really telling for the rest of the year as far as competitive league goes. I mean, typically we see teams at MSI like we've seen CLG, we've seen C9, we've seen C9 TSM. C9 a lot, TSM a lot. Uh, well, Liquid coming back this year, especially with the dream team that they are, I'm very excited to see how they perform under pressure since most of the people on that team have actually been to MSI multiple times. So hopefully they'll be able to f perform a little bit better than they were in the NALCS, maybe having the pressure of being the new kids on the block and being the dream team that everyone thought they were going to be will have worn off by now and they can start operating like we know that they can and want to. I think a lot of people think that we're going to get another immortal situation where they kind of roll their way into the MSI and then just kind of peter out with not a whole lot happening. So we'll have to see if Team Liquid can compete. So all we've had so far is play in stages. Of course, Liquid hasn't played yet. They are already in groups being one of what they're calling the marquee seeds. We do have Flash Wolves taking on Gambit Esports, two teams we've seen a lot the last few years in Worlds and on the international stage, seeing who can play into group stages. On the other side, we have two newcomers, EVOS Esports and BAU Supermassive Esports, trying to play their way into the group stages. In case you aren't keeping up, all the teams we have so far, we have RNG coming out of LPL, Fnatic out of EU, Kingzone Dragon out of LCK. That's another team we haven't seen quite yet. Flash Wolves out of LMS, EVOS out of VCS in Vietnam, and then just a whole bunch of play-in teams that are trying to survive and see if they can get into the group stages. So most of these games are going to be happening around mid-May, so we'll keep you guys updated on that with results and any exciting things that may happen in there. Well, I think something interesting to point out, by the way, is that China is sending one of their you know, premier teams, Royal Never Give Up, who we see pretty much every year in MSI and Worlds. And we have Fnatic coming out of the EU region, and we see them every year on in both you know world stages as well. However, Kingzone Dragon X and Team Liquid are people that we never see coming out of NA in Korea. So I think it's very interesting that ending with last year's you know defeat of SKT, I'm wondering if all the regions kind of got this the shakeup of teams wondering if they could take over the you know top spot from their regions 
dream teams and it looks like we're kind of getting that in the main you know the four main regions and so it'll be very interesting to see going forward if they can compete even better and have even better records than the old teams did and it's even more interesting if we look at the playoffs that korea used to get into the msi skt got beat pretty early they got beat 3-1 only in the second round and then we buy the KT Rollster, who we've also seen on the international stage before. And then even they got beat by a new team we haven't seen much, Afrika Freaks. They took them out in the third round with King's Own Dragon X being the one seed and taking down the Afrika Freaks three to one game. So you wonder, I mean, you see KT Rollster and SKT, two teams that we've seen a lot of that are really good teams get taken out. So we wonder if this King's Own Dragon X team is going to be going to be a force to be reckoned with in the international stage this year. Definitely. I'm really excited to see how they uh, how they perform versus NA teams. And this is kind of biased for me regionally to hope, but I'm wondering if maybe they just don't have something that SKT did. And hopefully NA teams will be able to overcome the pressure we face from never having won a world's title. So I'm kind of interested to see, and hopefully this is the year. You know, Team Liquid's not my favorite team, but if they can bring home something no one else could, more power to them. Absolutely. And just a quick thing, if we look at King's Own Dragon X's roster, it's not a lot of people that we see. I was kind of thinking that maybe they would have this star-studded lineup, but Peanut and Prey are the only two players on that team that I've ever even seen before, and it looks like Peanut is even their backup. So I've seen Gorilla and Khan a few times, but they've been in smaller Korean teams, so it'll be interesting to see how they perform along with big names like Peanut and Prey. I'm excited. It's for sure going to be an interesting MSI. We're definitely going to have to keep our eye on it. And of course, we will be giving you plenty of updates on that in the coming weeks. Next up, we got the 8.9 patch notes. These are not this week's patch notes since this is a uh, small patch week. So we decided we cover last week's patch notes and talk about how they've been affecting the game as we've seen with win rates and overall community thoughts going forward with this new patch. So most of our patch notes and items this week are about mage items. But before we get into that, do you want to talk about Gwenzu's Rage Blade? They finally fixed the bug where it was interacting with other bonus attack damage and granting bonus effects. So that's why we've seen people like Jin and Master Yi and anybody with Infernal Drake being really, really strong. So they finally fixed that. So Jin will be a little bit more manageable for you bot laners out there. Like I said, the main change this patch is for mages. So mages have ran into an issue where they've had uh, not very much mana to start the game and then a lot of mana later in the game. So they're trying to balance that out a little bit more. So they're giving all the mages and most of the mage items a buff, more of a, not really a buff, more just an adjustment so that mages are going to have more mana early in the game so they can spam abilities a little bit more, but they're not going to have as much mana at the end of the game. So they have a little bit more resource management to deal with, but... It's so mostly things like Doran's Ring is going to give five mana per five seconds instead of giving base mana regen. Lost Chapter, uh, the cost and AP increased here. The Goddess, the mana refund decreased. The total cost increased, and the max mana increase now increases current mana by current percentage of mana. I know that sounds confusing, but it basically means the more mana you're getting, the more mana you're getting from Tier the Goddess. That's pretty much what most of these items are. The ability power is increasing and the mana that they give is decreasing later in the game. The only other major difference other than general ability power increases for most of these mage items is that Spellbinder is getting a little bit of a nerf. So it's going to be more expensive. It's going to give you more base ability power. So you're going to get 120 instead of 100. 
And then on activation, you're going to get 80 instead of 100. So again, maybe less of a buff, more of a balance. You also are going to get a pretty huge increase in movement speed. It's going from 30% to 50%. So Spellbinder is going to be interesting. We're going to see how it's going to interact with a lot of champs here in this patch. The other big one is Luden's Echo. So the total cost is being decreased. The mana that it gives is being increased. Riot pretty much said that they don't think it's being utilized enough. And so with all these changes to Mage Islands, they want to make sure it's going to be being utilized more. Which is very interesting because I noticed that when the uh, Morella Nomicon changes went through, people stopped buying Morellos as a first item, which I think was, you know, Riot's intention but instead bought Ludens as a first item. Namely, Ari, after the new changes especially, she's an insanely good early game AP assassin, and Lux. Lux in support and in mid lane, Ludens is the first buy that you have right now. And so I think it's interesting that, especially coming with these Lux buffs as patch and changes, that they're going to be you know, buffing Ludens that much more. So it'll be interesting to see how that is going forward. And I think that Riot's, I think you're right, but I think Riot is also right. So their point is that it was going to be essentially useless, this patch, with all these adjustments, unless they buffed it. But I I don't know. That might be a discussion for a later time, but it looks like they might have over-buffed it for champions like Ari and Lux. So we'll have to see moving forward. Next up, we're moving on to the champion changes that are coming out in the 8.9 patch. First up, 25 mages. 25 have more mana regen and base mana. However, they are granted less mana growth, and five other mages have more mana regen. First off, we'll be moving the five mages that have uh, get, been getting more mana regen because these mages are, are ones that don't really build magey items, and you'll see why, because they're you know not classic mages. They have a lot of other kind of quirks with them, and like especially... Two of them, Kale and Teemo, have been getting their mana regen buffed up to 8 per 5 seconds and 9.6 per 5 seconds, respectively, because, you know, look at them. They don't build like regular mages because they're attack speed-based mages. Also, we have Diana, who's getting her mana regen buffed up to 8 per 5 seconds. Galio is getting his buffed up to 9.335 per 5 seconds. Those are looking like some Aatrox numbers with how many digits they had to add there. And finally, we have Morgana with 15 per 5 seconds, her being the largest buff. Uh, first up for the major champion changes that are coming through with this patch, Dr. Mundo has his ultimate getting a huge buff, and it's now going from 40, 50, and 60% maximum health to 50, 75, and 100% maximum health regen at max rank. So that's a that's a pretty substantial change that he's coming through, and it'll be nice to hopefully see more play of him. Next up, we have Kaisa. Her evolved Q missile count has been decreased, so you'll be seeing less of them on the rift, and her missile damage is now marked as area of effect so now if you're wondering how that affects things anything that is area effect related will also apply to her Q even though it's not an AoE ability it's an AoE damage uh, finally her E duration has been decreased from 5 seconds to 4 seconds so she won't have as much uptime on that uh, next up we have Lux who's the big star of this patch she's getting a lot of quality of life changes which I'm pretty happy about because you know I play quite a bit of Lux and first off we have her base stats 
First of all, her bonus attack speed at level one has been increased from 0% to 7%, which I really like because it was such a hard time invading or getting counter invaded with her because you it was really hard to pop all of the marks that her E or Q would leave. So that'd be nice to see that she's getting a bit of a buff there. Her attack speed growth has been decreased from 1.36% to 1% and her health growth has been decreased by from 91 to 85 Next up, we have her Q, Light Binding. Base damage has been buffed to 70, 115, 160, 205, and 250 at max rank. Her cooldown has been decreased to 10 seconds at all ranks, and her cost has been decreased by about 10 mana each rank. Uh, next up, we have her Prismatic Barrier, her W. Her return shielding is now uh, increased by 200% at all ranks. Uh, also, her Lux now shields herself and then fires a missile at the start of the cast instead of after 0.25 second cast time. So that'll be really nice that you'll be able to get the shields out faster and they'll be able to come back faster, obviously, granting that 200% bonus. She also is still rooted for the duration of the cast time, so that's, you know, the... the the bright side to everyone who hates Lux that she'll stay immobile while that's happening. So at least she's getting the the shield for being immobile. Uh, finally, we have her E, Lucent Singularity. The missile speed has been decreased from 1300 to 1200. The radius has been decreased from 350 to 310. The cost has also been decreased from 70, 85, 100, 115, 130 to 70, 80, 90, 100, and 110 as the mana cap. Uh, cooldown has also been decreased from 10 seconds in all ranks to 10, 9.5, 9, 8.5, 8. Next up, we have Shivana changes. Her E and her R AP damage ratio has been increased. Her W uh, AP ratio has been removed, actually. So now her W just does a flat damage and not an AP scaling. So that'll be interesting to see that little bit of a nerf going forward. Uh, next up, we have Sona changes. Her base attack damage has been increased, which I am not happy about since I have to play against Sona and she's if you guys ever play with me on the Rift and you want to tick me off bot lane, just go ahead and play Sona, and I will hate you for the rest of eternity. Uh, base attack damage has been increased, like I said, and power core damage has been increased. So her Q-empowered autos are going to hit a lot harder, and as well as all the other ones, along with dealing their bonus effects. Next up, we have Warwick. Uh, his base attack damage has been decreased, thank goodness, and his Q damage decreased at later ranks. And I've really been seeing that his win rate has been skyrocketing since a lot of the other people have been getting uh, health regeneration changes which happened i think two patches ago and so it'll be nice to see that he, he will be a lot less scary at later ranks because he deals so much damage with his ultimate and he has so much healing along with his passive and his q it'll be nice that he's not dealing as much damage at later ranks so they did change the epic monsters quite a bit for this patch so for baron the base damage has been decreased but the base health has been increased I think that's a welcome change because a lot of people were taking a lot of damage fighting Baron, but it wasn't taking that long, so it was kind of an awkward objective to get. But now it's going to take longer, and you're theoretically going to take less damage, so it'll be more of an important gameplay decision while you're on the Rift. The corruption damage has also been increased, though, to make up for the base damage decrease. So the health increase is pretty substantial. So the first time you fight Baron, is usually he's at 6,400 health. Now he's going to be at 9,000. Not over 9,000. So he's not as strong as Vegeta, but he is at 9,000 health. So Baron's pre-pit buddy, the Rift Herald, is also getting a bit of a change. So his damages aren't really changing. They're just being adjusted slightly. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but stick with me here. So instead of taking 150 or 25% health damage when he hits a turret to himself, he's just taking a flat 25% of his current health damage. 
This damage to the turret when he charges, instead of being 150 to 25% current health, is just going to be a flat 40% of his own current HP or 1500, whichever is greater. So that's pretty substantial change there. His eye damage when you are fighting him is also going to do 40% of his max health rather than 20% of his max health. So that's going to be a pretty substantial hit if you can get behind him and take that down. Next up, we have some rune changes coming through this patch. First of all, Unsealed Spellbook has been updated as a rune as, you know, as a whole, and it is seeing some pretty big changes. First change we're looking at is the uh, swap one of your summoner spells has been changed in the way it acts. Now it reads as swap one of your equipped summoner spells to a new single use summoner spell. After using a single use summoner spell, your original summoner spell will be swapped back in. The first swap is available at six minutes. Swap cooldown is four minutes, permanently reduced by 15 seconds each time you swap to a new summoner spell, but you cannot have used that summoner spell prior to you swapping to it to get the bonus effect. Your original summoner spells continue cooling down in the background. It's kind of like a background download while on Windows. And you can now swap your summoner spells anywhere on the map, not just being in Fountain. You know, this is a pretty, pretty big change, Van. I, how do you think this is going to start changing the meta? Because we, we talked about earlier how a lot of the bot lanes in the competitive scene will just have both people run it, and they'll be able to change out, you know, so for the ADC, they can take Heal, Barrier, Exhaust, and the support can take, you know, Exhaust, uh, Ignite, or Teleport, and have insanely good map presence. How do you think this is going to change, especially because we can have a lot more people running Smite at the right time and, you know, have much more Baron and Dragon Pressure? So like you said, Kyle, this is going to be pretty big for major objectives because that four-minute cooldown on swapping is faster than Baron and Dragon both respawn. So theoretically, you can just swap to Smite when you feel like it in order to take down objectives more quickly. And I think that the idea here is that it's quote-unquote taking up one of your keystone masteries, but I mean, an advantage like that can be pretty huge, especially if you're a solid cohesive unit, like if you're playing fives or like you said in LCS or competitive games like that. If you manage this properly, especially on champions where you don't really have to take one single summoner spell, I think this is going to open up a lot of opportunities in the game where we might not have seen them before. I think that Unsealed Spellbook is, is going to start being a lot more common in the Rift. No, I definitely agree with you. It'll be especially interesting to see um, junglers using it, too, because I know a lot of the uh, the smite possibilities. You know, early game, it's really good to especially have, you know, frozen smite or skirmishing saber or something like that. But if you look at someone like Yi, for instance, or Shaco, late game, they might feel like smite isn't just that useful for them because they're enough of an assassin or a powerhouse on their own that that baron control might be, you know, someone else's responsibility or they just don't need it, especially with, like, Nunu. He doesn't have to have smite a lot of the time because of his devour So it'll be very interesting to see how it really changes the meta of summoner spells Because that's been one of those areas in the league that's always been pretty stagnant And so it'll be very cool to see how these changes affect the, the game going forward And I think it is going to change a lot and we'll definitely keep an eye on it Did really quickly want to touch on upcoming skins We're going to talk about them later But Blood Moon, Evelyn, and Bemo will be released this patch Bemo, of course, already lives And then we do have Chroma Packs for Bemo and, and finally, I know we've all been on pins and needles for this one we finally got a chroma pack for mecha zero scion so it's been actually a few years now that it's been released and he's one he is the only um mecha skin that has not gotten a chroma pack yet and i'll probably pick one of those back up when i start playing league again and you know i gotta say and i gotta say some of those chroma packs are looking pretty nice i was ever a big fan of the uh, orange and blue combo so it'll be nice to kind of shake up that skin a little bit 
Now, I think the real reason that we're all here, the real reason we all read these patch notes is to read the most important patch note of all. You can now pick your own profile background for your profile page. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. After long, long last, we can finally pick our own profile background page to any champion or skin that we own. Yes. So despite being a tank jungle man, I can finally have my my uh, Quinn top uh, base skin background that I've been waiting for. I'm super excited to see that, man. And, you know, I got to say, it's actually a, a big thing that is actually becoming available that we were told was going to be available over four years ago and it never ended up happening until now. If you guys recall, when you buy an ultimate skin, your profile gets a profile banner when using that ultimate skin. You never got to choose that up until now. It used to be that you had to constantly play that skin to get that profile banner. And, you know, most notably the Spirit Guard Udyr profile banners were never actually choosable until now. So something that has been four or five years in the making is finally live. It's a pretty monumentous occasion, I must say. We're very excited. Moving on to the skins that we have coming out this patch. So BMO already got released, which is kind of weird because it never even landed on the PBE. Landed. Oh, it's a B. Oh, God. Anyway, they just kind of released it, which is odd. I feel like I feel like they wanted it to be like an April Fool's skin and never got around to it. I don't know. It was weird. They're making, actually, it, it's one of those skin lines that everyone kind of forgets it's a skin line. But remember, we have Beekeeper Singe, too. That's true. So we have Beekeeper Singed, Bemo, and a lot of other people have been uh, suggesting different skins. I would love to see a Zach B skin. Just make him like striped black and yellow. That'd be pretty cool. I'd, I'd like to see that as well. Okay, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but Zach is the most skinnable champion in the game, and they never do anything with him, and I am upset. I think the reason they don't do anything with him skin-wise is because he's the most skinnable. Is because... Looking at him, okay, so so right now, I think we can both agree that his most complex quote-unquote skin is SKT solely because he has armor on it, you know, right. and that, you know, with, with Pool Party, he doesn't. He's just water. With Special Weapon, he he's just on. purple. Okay, well, he has shorts. With Special Weapon, he's just purple, and with Chromas, he's just, what, pink, yellow, and um, what's the other one? Orange or something like that? Yeah, yeah something pink, like yellow, and, and orange. So I think what they want to do is they want to look for more ways to make him feel more like a skin is an actual skin, not just another chroma. That's okay. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Uh, anyway, so I've only seen the BMO skin once in game so far. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. I like that they made the mushrooms little beehives, but it's kind of hard to see some of the stuff going on in the rift because of the way that the colors kind of clash, and, and the, they changed a lot of the particle effect. So it's also, I kept hitting mushrooms and not being able to tell because the particle effects, the way they work, it's it, they, they're like little bees buzzing around instead of like the mushroom exploding in the green cloud. So well, I know that was another problem too when they released Beekeeper Singe was because its trail is kind of that, you know, red trail, which doesn't really make sense with a bee skin, but, right. you know, it's kind of the, the red or orangey trail, and it's actually a lot harder to pick up on some of the other skins. Like, for instance, um, when people were playing them on Twisted Tree Line, if you were in the jungle, you just couldn't see the trail. Like, it was impossible to see. So it'll be interesting to see if they change it or if they just kind of go suck it up, this is what you're dealt, and deal with it. So the next one we're going to talk about is the one that everybody is talking about, Blood Moon Evelyn. So the splash art, admittedly, is really cool. I think that's the first thing a lot of people saw. I think they could have done a little bit 
more with it. If we look at other Blood Moon skins, even in the splash art, it's kind of like, ah, she's wearing a black dress. Well, I think, yeah, if you look at a lot of the different uh, Blood Moon skins, they're kind of going for that Japanese kabuki you know, mythology, which is really cool, especially when everyone's you know wearing a mask. And then you look at someone like Akali, right, who they kind of wanted her to be the standout one of the group and be like the the non-demon of the group. Right. And she you know has the removed mask. And they could have done something really cool like that with Evelyn, that she actually is a demon, and they could have swung it around as to, you know, Niskin she isn't. Or, like I said, because, you know, Kabuki is based on the demonology of Japan, if they made it show the demon is the actual demon, that could have been so cool. And especially the, the splash art could have been so cool and so interesting, and they didn't do that. And it's interesting because this is an issue they've had with other Evelyn skins where the color palette just doesn't really match from skin design to the splash art. I mean, you look at the splash art and yeah, she's like, you know, she's a little bit pale, but she has a lot of depth to her colors. She's got, you know, these really subtle, awesome effects on her. And then you go to the skin and it's like, oh, she's like pale with a black dress. She has like an extra weird red tattoo. Here's your skin. And it's so funny because, I mean, we're just looking at pictures on Google right now. And, like, I clicked around on a few and I was like, wait, that's not the skin. That's a really cool skin. And, like, that's the issue is I think that they had so, so much potential for this skin. And they just, like, didn't want to do it. And it's and it's bizarre because the Blood Moon skin, you know, I'm not looking at numbers, but I I would imagine it's one of the best-selling skin lines. I, I always get them if it's a champion I play. Oh, yeah. No, especially. And I think a lot of people, you know, look at that. And it's one of those annual skin events that everyone looks forward to. You know, when the Harrowing was that annual Halloween event. Everyone was like, oh, what are, the, what are the Harrowing skins going to be this year? Oh, what are the Star Guardian skins going to be this year? What are the Project skins? And Blood Moon is, is the original yearly skin line. And I think they've done a great job with all of the other Blood Moon skins. But this one just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel Blood Moony. It, it feels like an advanced chroma of her Tango skin. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what it looks like to me. Definitely. And it's interesting because in-game, all the particles and stuff look really cool. I mean, her abilities are pretty different. Her, you know, recall is different. Her spikes are different. Everything's different, and it looks really cool. For example, when she charms someone, it's this weird, like, edgy kind of, like, a lot more Evelyn-y kind of a heart than it is on her normal skin. It looks like more like a tattoo almost. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's got, like, wings on it. Anyway, but then her base skin just looks so bad, and it's a bummer because I feel like it could look so cool. And I will and I will give them this. Her her demon shade does look awesome. They did a really good job on that, regardless of what the base skin looks like. But I just, man, I just wish that they would do something better with it. Definitely. And I think they kind of looked at the Evelyn skin with the rework from last year and they went, oh, she's a demon. This is a demon skin line. Right. Perfect. Let's just do it. In the same way as everyone can remember that they had Rakan and Zaya. Oh, let's put him, them as, you know, because they're a couple, let's put them as the sweetheart skins. Perfect. Except I think they expected it because it fit the theme to just turn out by itself and then you have to put that much work into it. It's like, oh, well, it's, you know, Evelyn's a demon. It, you know, this is a demon skin. It'll work out. It'll look like it fits, but it doesn't always fit. Right. And I think something that we do need to be conscious of is we had this conversation a few weeks ago that we wanted right to put out more skins, and, and they said that. They were like, look, we're going to start putting out more skins more consistently for different champions. And I'm not saying that Evelyn hasn't had a lot of skins, but 
you know, is, is, is this what we're getting? Is this our own fault for asking for stuff to come quickly that we're getting skins that maybe didn't have a whole lot of time worked on? And granted, I'm not saying it's a bad skin. I just think that there's a lot of missed potential. But that's kind of what I'm saying is, is did we create this for ourselves? Because we wanted Ride to put out more skins. So is this the quality of skin we're going to get now? Is these half-efforted skins that, like, kind of fit the theme? Right. And I, yeah, I totally get that. And like I said, I think the one big, the scary part that a lot of what we're seeing is, is Riot thinking that just because a skin is part of the theme of the champion doesn't mean that it's just going to make itself. You know, they still have to put the same effort in as they did. For instance, you look at the skin lineup for Blood Moon. Zillion has a Blood Moon skin. An elderly man who travels through time on a flying clock has a demon skin, and it's his arguably his best skin, and it's one of the better-looking Blood Moon skins. That just shows that Wright can make something really good, even without the you know the foundation for it to look really good. But it seems like when they expect it to just fit itself, then we have problems of them just not putting the effort in that we would expect them to. And there are a lot of, like, fan edits that I think look really good. I I get why Riot would be nervous to use those because they want because I think that they like to have that control. They like to know that their artists are good at what they do. But there's been a few times in the past where Riot has kind of just outwardly listened to their fans and made a fix that everyone kind of thought necessary. So we'll have to wait and see. On that, we do technically have in the PBE right now another set of skins. Kyle, you want to tell us about those? I would love to tell you about that. So we got the teaser uh, earlier last week talking about the new Pulsefire skins. So we have three new Pulsefire skins coming out. We have Pulsefire Twisted Fate, who has really cool kind of uh, bowler hat and handlebar mustache, almost old westerny style look but with the futuristic aesthetic of the Pulsefire skin line. He looks really cool. His um, his cards kind of look like SD cards, so that's really cool detail that they added in. Like I said, his bowler hat looks great. His cape looks really nice. He looks like a, a futuristic spaghetti western villain. And so, you know, I'm really liking that skin. I'm looking forward to it. Next up, we have the Pulsefire Riven skin, which I am a pretty big Riven player, if you guys didn't know. Absolutely love the skin. It's not my favorite Riven skin, just because like I really like the arcade skin line, and I personally prefer that. But looking at it from an unbiased perspective, it's a fantastic skin. And I really like the uh, the emphasis on the... Aesthetic they've been going with with pulse fire skins, how it's kind of like this this time police kind of thing. I've, I feel like they're trying to make, especially with the Caitlyn one. It was much more of a, you know, she's she's hunting down Ezreal, who's kind of an outlaw because he took the technology and wants to explore with it and is going through different timelines. And these feel a lot more like the time police aesthetic that Riot's been trying to push with the recent pulse fire skins. And I think they did a really good job, especially with Riven. She looks very much like a kind of like a Ronin swordsman. And finally, we have pulse fire Shen, who just recently joined the 1000 days, uh, no skin club. If you didn't know, there are a few champions who have never gotten a skin in over a thousand days and he just joined it and he will now be leaving it pretty soon. 
Um, we have a look at the top half of his face, actually. Since he's a ninja, we have not seen his full face and his skin before. So that's pretty cool. And we have to say, I think I speak for both of us, Van, when they really hit the mark with this one. They they knew what they were doing, and they knew that because they'd waited so long to make a skin for him, it had to be good. And I think it's pretty good. It looks like it looks like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat if he was in the game Time Splitters, and I mean that in only good ways. It, so this is kind of a weird point to make, but objectively, when when champions get skins, when I don't play them, I can be a lot less critical of them. And just kind of like them. And I really, really like this new Pulse Fire set. I think the bowler hat on TF, I think when you I think when you hear that, you may be concerned a bit, but they, I mean they made it it looks perfect. It's so unbelievably fitting to the character that it's bizarre in a way. And like you said, the whole SD card thing, it's just it's really cool. It's very steampunky, but yeah, or, sorry, it's very cyberpunky, I meant to say. The cyberpunk futuristic gambler we haven't really seen before and Hey, if Graves gets a skin in the future, that kind of fits this dynamic. That would be pretty cool to see as well. But, um, yeah, the skins look great. The bowler hat, the really cool cybernetic sword that Riven has, and Shen's, uh, his spirit blade kind of looks like a radio tower almost, which looks pretty cool. I'm really excited to see the stuff hit the rift and hopefully get to play with them sometime. So our discussion this week, we're talking about Something that's kind of hard to like title, but basically we're talking about why league can sometimes be unfun. The whole reason this conversation started out is because Magic Arpus Fly, a YouTuber on one of his videos, said that having kind of a similar discussion mentioned, and he's right, that you can't really not try in any given league game. You always have to give full effort at the risk of being flamed by your team, getting a loss or in some cases, just making your friends upset that you're playing with. And I think he's right because obviously in ranked, this is different. As with any game, if it's competitive and ranked, you got to try. But if I go into quick play, and I do this a lot, I've, I've recently been playing a lot of marksman junglers, and they're really, really fun. Uh, Quinn, Zaya, stuff like that. Those are the only two I've really played, but I'm trying to find more. And it's really fun, but honestly, my early game's terrible. My mid game's not very good, but if the game gets to 35, 40 minutes, it's kind of like having two ADCs, but it's usually not worth the early and mid game. So I, I get flamed for it pretty regularly, which is fine. It's my own decision. But but that's kind of the question. You know, I can't go into any game and do that without without having to deal with that. And I think that's a major issue for League of Legends. And I definitely I was totally agreeing with Van's point because Riot, you know, I totally get where they're coming from. I'm not dissing them at all. But it seems like Riot has really made this a game where they don't want you playing it casually. And I mean casually as in, I'm just going to try new stuff and hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, oh, well, I learned. Because you're committing 30 to 40 minutes of your life to just sitting down and playing a game with four other people on the internet on your team against five other people on the internet on the enemy team. And if you don't try your hardest, your team's down a member and your team will you know, almost for sure lose. And it's one of those things where even if you're trying to have fun with something, if you don't know how to play the thing you're trying to have fun with, you're kind of screwing your team over. And it's this it's this very weird ground where you look at a lot of other games and you can play new people, you can play new modes. And if you don't do great, hey, you know what? Well, at least we're all learning and people understand. But when you go over to League, it's just you feel like you're under so much pressure and that you don't have the option to just mess around and have fun right and the only time this has really been brought to the forefront that i can remember 
is sometime between a year and two years ago, there was a singed support player, I want to say. And he, and, and he was a one trick. He was singed support. And every game he went into, he was like just unknown enough that people didn't expect it. But uh, I, I want to say he was like master, maybe high diamond. And he would say every game, he'd say, look, I'm going to play singe support. It's off meta. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. And like that happens a lot in bronze and it's usually BS. But when you're, when you're high diamond and someone says that I'm, I'm cool with it, but riot uh, banned him for basically trolling. They gave him, I think a week long ban because he wasn't trying. They said, cause there was games where he would do poorly and enough people reported him when they would lose which is kind of just the nature of the of the league player base to flame somebody for losing you the game, quote unquote, that he ended up getting banned. And so I think, like you said, Riot, you know, discourages casual play. And and it's a bummer because, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to play Quinn jungle and ranked. I'll play it in quick play or draft pick, excuse me. And people will be like, you know, why are you playing that? Oh, I'm just trying to learn it. Okay, we'll go do bots. But like, even if you go do bots, there's people who are going to get mad at you for it. Oh, yeah. Especially, and it's absurd. Yeah. And like we were talking about earlier, too, with even with ARAM games, you oh. are dealt a champion. Okay. So for me, I think I own, uh, I think almost 100, around 110 champions, I think. That's a lot to pick from. So it's a one in 110 chance that I'm going to get someone who fits perfectly with the team or, you know, okay, a little more than that, but there's most of them that I don't play frequently that I don't play a lot. You know, I'd say there are probably 20 champions that if I went into a, uh, a Ram game and I got them, I wouldn't think twice about not rerolling. You know, I'd just be like, right. Oh cool. I'm just gonna get them and I'll be happy with it. But that's kind of the point of Aram. When I go play Aram, I'm like, I just want to have someone kind of catch me off guard and you know, don't go into a game having this game plan just kind of figure it out as you go along but people still go into it and flame you for that and i just i don't understand why people feel the need to to be in this competitive mindset 24 7 one it's and it's so funny because even if you're you know even if there's who are the worst aram champs to play again even if there's like a lux morgue cat zigs on the other team and then I don't know a Zach or something for fun to to fill the fifth member. Like Sona, Sona's pretty bad. Sona, because, Sona, yeah. yeah. Like if that's the five team you're going against, you're not going to win. Like it's no matter who you're playing, that's a tough team to win against, right? For obvious reasons. And like I'll go into games like that with my friends who are you know less fun to put it politely, and they'll be like, oh, like why are we even playing? Like just just rush it down mid. Why are we playing this? Which was only mid, but anyway, they're just so negative, and it's like, dude, like I'm playing Talon and it's fun and I'm getting kills. Like, yeah, I'm dying a lot, but it's fun. It's ARAM. The point is to have fun. Exactly. And and why do you, you know, why play an ARAM game? You, you only play ARAM for two reasons, realistically. A, you're bored of Summoner's Rift and you just want to mess around, i.e. you just want to have fun. Or B, you're waiting, you know, you're waiting for Kyle to finish his game so that we can play with him again. And and for that reason, I just want to have fun and ARAMs go pretty quick. Exactly. And it's crazy that people go into games like so just deadly serious about it in ARAM. Well, I think it's like, League, I know Riot, I guess, is a better way to say it because League's not a company. <laughs> League's the game. Yes. Riot is the company. Riot as a company has stated multiple times that they are very against people flaming each other and even being, you know, somewhat negative to their team. And, you know, that's that's fine. And obviously they're not the most strict on that because there are other companies that, you know, zero tolerance on their games. As soon as you say, you know, a, one bad thing or even a suggestion towards a teammate, you're, you're banned. You're right. out. And so you have companies like Riot who are very much against that negative attitude. 
But even if it's not negative attitude, it's just like an uncompetitive attitude. And that, I think, when you have enough people that go on a Summoner's Rift, they play a game, they do badly, or they have a teammate do badly, or they just lose enough times, they go to another mode and start being toxic to those people too. And it just makes this big environment that everyone's not happy with. And I think if Riot just kind of steps away from the uncompetitive aspect for a second and really solidifies that they're against you know, harassment and flaming, right. not necessarily being uncompetitive and trying new things. Right. Because look at their patch history too. All these people who were like, I didn't think you could play them in that role. Riot immediately went, well, you're not supposed to. And then, you know, made them less viable in that role. And that's something that you said earlier, not to interrupt you, Kyle, but you'd said, I don't think we were recording when we were talking about it, but there's certain champions where they, they're so adamantly against having them be played in weird positions that they'll, they'll shoehorn them into roles. So like Poppy was this kind of versatile champion not too long ago, and now she's just a bruiser top laner. Right. And like, that's all she's allowed to be. And that's because Riot kept seeing her getting, okay, this might not be why, but the timeline is Poppy was getting played jungle, you know, mid very occasionally and like support and stuff. And then suddenly there's all these patches so that she's more of a bruiser top lane. Yeah. And, and it's just like all this stuff that, oh, especially look, look at Gragas. He was a tank jungle. Oh, okay. I want to play a tank jungle, but you know, I want some, you know, some displacement or some CC or a little bit of damage too. I'm going to go with Gragas. You know, he's right. a great guy. He's a great. You know, great tank jungler, really good for new players just because it's, you know, very linear, very easy to learn how yes. to play him. I have not seen a jungle Gragas either in a game I've played or in a game I've watched or watched streamed or anything in, I'd say, over a year. But yeah. you know what he's really prevalent in? One shot Gragas mid because there's nothing you can do against it. Right. And it was like they buffed him enough with his AP scaling. And they just kind of threw him in that role, which is weird because he always seemed like a great tank. You know, he's a fairly large man who has a bit of a drinking problem. He's a, you know, a bar brawler. Mm -hmm. They wanted him to be a tank, but all of a sudden they kind of put him as this, this one shot machine. And I don't really think it was for the best. I know some no. might argue me for that, but I just, I don't understand why they have such a big negative attitude towards putting people in positions you might not necessarily think would work, but it ended up working, you know, and because here's what gets me. They've shown that they want to do that before. Look at Mordekaiser. When the Juggernauts update hit a couple of years ago, they, Mordekaiser, who was the AP mage top, immediately they went, okay, no, he's an ADC now. Wait, he's not ranged though. But it worked for okay, like two days. But, you know, still, still, still yeah. they were showing the community, the community, the spark of hope where they went, maybe they don't want to just force everyone into one role and then be done with it. But then they immediately turned around and went, you know, sorry, you know, our mistake and forced him back to Oplin again. And to be the devil's advocate, I, I get what they're doing. It's really, really hard to balance a champ who is in more than one role. Uh, I think just from personal experience, I think Diana is a really good example of that. If they buff her because she doesn't have enough mid presence, now she's huge in the jungle, right? For example, this isn't the case, but just for example, um, if they if they up her lane presence by giving her, you know, extra base attack damage or extra health regen, well, now she's unkillable in mid lane. And so I get why they're trying to shoehorn certain champions into certain lanes, but it becomes uh, this balance of do you care more about your your dev team having an easier time or do you care more about your players having an enjoyable time? 
and I think that interestingly touched on that. I was trying to think of people I play that um, I'd be like, wow, you know, what if they they put him in that role more, and then they'd be totally, you know, overpowered in, in another role if they nerfed him in one role. Then I thought of Thresh. Thresh is a perfect example that Riot isn't afraid to make champions that are viable in only one role, and at the same time, people are totally okay with that. Right. Thresh is a support. If you, t- I mean, okay, yeah, people play him on hit ADC Thresh. <laughs> I get it's a thing, but you look at him and go, that is a support champion, right. and everyone's okay with that. No one looks at that and goes, that's not good. That's not, you know, that. Right. That's, you know, he's only, he's so shoehorned into one little thing, but they made him for that. Yes. And so. And like, they never changed it. And that's the big thing. Right. And like someone like Kane. Okay. Yeah. You can play Kane. You know, go Rost, pay, take him top lane. It works. Yes. Take blue Kane, take him mid lane. It works. Kane's also a jungler. He's made for the jungle. He works insanely well in jungle. And no one is sad that he can only really be played in the jungle. Right. So I just don't understand if they're if they want to shoehorn people into roles so much, why not just make them viable for a single role? And if they do that, then I think it works out in all ways. Like look right. at Kaisa. She was totally overtuned for being an AC. They tuned her a little bit out of lane and she immediately became a much better jungler. Right. So you take her and put her into someone like Kate's position or Jinx. Yes, people take Kate and Jinx mid sometimes. But for the most part, they, they take yeah. them bot, they're an ADC, and they do very well in that area, and no one is surprised or annoyed with it. So I just think that Riot needs to really make their priorities more clear to us as players and go, should we be making people into one position and then have an easier time balancing them later, or make someone multi-positional and have a nightmare balancing it later? Once well, and and. Not to counterpoint, but to go off of that, there's also a lot of champions who are really versatile and in a good spot. I mean, they kind of fixed it now, but well, actually maybe not really. I mean, Graves can play every position, maybe not support very effectively. And mid's a little hard for him, and but he's, he's a he's a strong brawler jung- top lane. Jungle top and ADC. Very good jungle. He's yeah. fine. And or something he, like Jarvan. You know, even though he's not great top lane, he's still, you know. Well, and, think, and think about this: half of the supports that people play are mid, are true mid laners that have support viability. Brand, Annie, Lux, Morg. You know, those are my four top supports. Which actually, I think it's interesting they brought that up. That was uh, we were going to have a different discussion this week about mages, but we had a talk in the car about this discussion, and so we decided to switch to this because I thought we thought we'd be better. But I was actually going to bring this point, I mean, this discussion up in the mage discussion. Of being that there are a lot of champions, especially mages, that you just kind of throw bot lane because they have CC. Yes. And that that's league as a whole, though. Right. You you pick when you're especially when you're starting out or at low elo, you pick champions because they have CC. I cannot stand playing champions that don't have any CC. If Trundle, one of my all-time favorite champions, didn't have that pillar, wouldn't wouldn't you. play him. I wouldn't play him. I know. No, I I and that's the thing too. Like look, look at me. If I'm not playing support, I play top lane and jungle, and sometimes mid lane. Mid lane, my favorite my favorite character is Yasuo, who has a boatload of CC. You have some, well, not boatload, but, you know, a consistent knockup that you can hit most yes. of the time. Riven, I love playing her top lane, lots of CC. Um, Olaf, love playing him jungle. A constant, every .75 seconds, slow. And Thresh, 
one of the most CC heavy people in the game. I love playing bot lane. And, and so it's one of those things where then we need to look at is is this I kind of we've kind of strayed away from league being fun, but I think that's okay. Is the viability of a champion based on one or two stats for jungle? Mobility is one of the biggest things you really have to look for. Mobility and CC. And so it's like, is our roles defined by by people and play styles, or are they defined by champion characteristics? And I think that, that this is something I League got really, really boring for me like a year ago. And that's when I started playing Marksman Junglers because it's interesting to play things that are off meta. And I'm not entirely sure the point I'm trying to make here, but I think it I think it's a combination. I think that, you know. Once, you, once you've played really at all, you understand that there's a certain meta for certain roles. You're not really going to take LeBlanc or Ari top lane because that's kind of the bruiser lane. You can. There's really nothing stopping you. You'd be theoretically successful depending on what the other team is playing. But top lane's bruisers, your mid laners are your kind of squishy ranged damage dealers. I'm not going to go over the meta again because we already know it. But that, that's just league inherently. I mean, think of it this way. If you think of it in Counter-Strike, like... It's it's the same thing like, oh, like our sniper is really just going to like be long range shooters. It's like, yeah, that's what a sniper is. And I think that that's OK. But when people go against the meta, I think it I think it needs to be OK. I think if people are taking someone like LeBlanc and like, putting with support. Sure. Or, or the, the example I was going to say is like a Mumu SCC, like you can take him support. Honestly, you queue in and they're stunned. I've seen AP mid laners go a Mumu AP mid laners because right. his, his tiers have a lot of. A lot of scaling behind him and so it's viable and I think and bringing this back full circle I think that's one of the main reasons people just can't find fun in this game a lot of the time you know is because you take people like that and they're they're told they're taught in the game through riot to just don't like that you know have right. a, have a problem with someone who okay that's a tank that goes jungle but what if i don't want to do that with someone what right. if i want to take them somewhere else no that's bad they're trolling but mm -hmm. they're not they're just trying something new and they're i know this has been a problem forever and i know we're kind of a, this topic has been brought up lots before and lots of different youtubes and podcasts and all that but i think it's something that needs to keep getting brought up until it's fixed mm -hmm. is that Riot either needs to learn how to make champions that they're okay with putting in different spots and having them be better than others or stick with making people for one role and one role only and having everyone have more fun with it just because we, we're going into it not expecting as much diversity. Right. The last points I want to make two quick things is I think that we kind of do it to ourselves because a new champion comes out. The big question is always where are they going to get played? And the conversation very rarely goes, well, you know, she could be played ADC, but like maybe jungle, like in the form of Kaisa or when Ivern came out, it's like, oh, well, he's built to be in the jungle, but he's a support. You know, it's usually, you know, allow he's a top laner. Kaisa's an ADC, Ivern's a jungler or a support. Kaisa, you know, Kane's a jungler. Like that's how the conversation always is, is what are they? Well, I think that that you just touched on something very interesting. I know we're kind of running long, but. Ivern is a very interesting case because he, like you said, he is support that you put in the jungle. Yeah, he's a second support for your team that you put somewhere where it's like he can still have feasible ganks and feasible laning phase presence, but he's meant to be a support. He's meant to throw on shields, have a redemption, have Arden sensor, and that's what he's made for. So maybe Ryan needs to start looking at 
people like Ivern, where you take a role, you take the archetype that role is known for, and you throw it in a different role, and you figure out how you make it work. Because I think that's a lot more interesting for the player base as a whole. And I think the the last thing I want to touch on that we talked about a little bit while we were walking in today is how to fix this problem. And I think that one thing we brought up that is interesting is, is A, we need to give people a release of some kind. I think if they put in a good six-person free-for-all, just give them the blue side of Summoner's Rift and have them just battle it out or, or Crystal Scar, like you said, and just have, like, first one to ten kills. I think it would be good. What we talked about is I think that everyone would gravitate towards that and they wouldn't be able to build off Summoner's Rift anymore, which would obviously hurt, you know, the effort they're putting into patching, you know, in individual lanes and especially LCS. But I think that would be good. Maybe have that be one of your rotating champion modes. Or I think maybe diversifying your options. Because right now, if I play Summoner's Rift, you know, if I just play draft pick, right, I have competitive or non-competitive. And I think there needs to be more than that. I think there needs to be, you know, like an option. I mean, more streamlined than this, but like, I'm okay if someone's playing a new champion. Or like, you know, this is quick play, but I'm practicing for ranked. Even if they made a mode where they're like, maybe even make a mode where they take the surrender and move it down a lot. So say... Oh, I'm going AP burst jacks support. Didn't work out. Okay, well, it's seven minutes in and I want to be done with it. And my team wants to be done with it. Right. Throw that in, you know. Exactly. And, and make that a viable option. And I think it would fix a lot of the, the stigma behind trying new things. Mm-hmm. And the I know realistically the big wall that's stopping from doing this is toxic people. Yes. People who go into the game intentionally being toxic and feeding and trolling and all that. And they have, you know, multiple people and they hold a game hostage. But I think if you made a mode where you intrinsically made it so it's not competitive, people would be more okay with that or at least understanding and not yell at Riot as much for, oh, why didn't you ban this person? Well, that's that's a mode where we're going to be acknowledging that there probably are going to be more people in it and we'll try our best, but expect right. that. And and that's and I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. That's gonna be the big wall is if we leave an option where you know, even if it's just a checkbox of like, I'm cool playing with people practicing a champion. I'd hit that box every time if I'm doing a normal game because I don't really care. So whatever. I'm just here to jungle and have fun. Um, you're going to get people who are going to hit that box also. And then they're going to play, you know, you know, a decent jungle or something. And just run it down. Yeah. And, and just run it down mid. And, the, and, and, and that's the hard thing. This is one of those questions where it's, there's not an easy answer. But uh, obviously for our podcast, that's why we talk about it for, to keep the discussion open. So... We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, you know, I, I don't foresee anything changing, but I do think that uh, I think it's worth looking at. Definitely. And I think the looking at part is is the biggest thing here. As long as they consider it, I think we'll all be happy. Well, that will do it for us this week on the Duo Q podcast. We want to thank you guys again for listening. And we talked a lot today, Kyle. We did. We had a really good discussion about the state of the game and the state of fun in League of Legends. Uh, we covered the patch notes. We covered the new skins coming out. And I think we had, you know, a really good talk today. We were a little bit harsh on Riot today. I will admit that. We do. We like Riot. I think Riot made a great game. I think that they're really good about balancing and patching and stuff. There's just some tweaks. Nobody's perfect, right? Definitely. And it's one of those things where you have enough people playing it. So obviously there are going to be a lot of different opinions floating around and a lot of people who just kind of want to ruin the game for everyone else. And I think (laughs) they've done as good of a job as they can currently 
with dealing with it. We just want to make sure that they they keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. We're going to wrap it up, but we do want to thank you guys for listening in. You can catch the DuoQ podcast every Thursday where we talk about patch notes, competitive play, have a discussion, discuss new skins, all that fun stuff, all the need-to-knows of the League of Legends world. And we would love to hear you guys' opinions on our podcast, either on our Twitter, at DuoQ Podcast, or over on our DuoQ Discord link in our Twitter. That is, again, at DuoQ Podcast. And we want to really continue the discussion outside of this this hour-ish that we have talking to you guys and talk with you guys as a community and as in our friends. Until next time, you guys have a fantastic week, and we'll catch you on the Rift.